And it came right at a time when it would be like, okay, we need to maybe reevaluate this. Do we need to go back home or can we make this work? It was as if it was just supposed to be, you know, like there was, it was like the path of least resistance. And I felt like I was manifesting all of the things that I really wanted very easily and effortlessly. Welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, the award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman with Trinidadian roots, a business strategist and consultant from Atlanta, living and thriving in Valencia, Spain. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish the Foreign. I'm Christine. I'm so thrilled that you chose to listen to this episode of Flourish the Foreign. I appreciate you, and I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. How about that? I'm speaking it into existence. For those of you that haven't joined the Buy Me a Coffee membership, be sure to do so, especially if you want to chat with me, because I do coffee chats every month. Due to my illness and kind of things getting knocked off schedule, I'm going to be doing two coffee chats in December, one at the beginning of the month and one at the end. So be sure to become a member of the Flourish and Form Buy Me a Coffee membership so that you could chat with me. Also remember that I am sending thank you cards to all of my members. I have been trying to find the perfect stationery. I don't know if I'm ever going to find it, but I'm excited to write to all of you. And that might sound, I don't know, nerdy, but you have to remember I am a Southern girl. So I'm very excited about stationery and I'm very excited to write to all of you. So if that's something that you would like, be sure to join the membership as well. Be sure to grab the Move Abroad with Intention guide to not only aid in your leap abroad and making sure that it is successful, but also if you're already abroad, to keep you engaged and to keep you accountable as you cultivate this new life abroad. I've also curated a playlist of sorts that goes with the guide. I made a whole list of episodes of this podcast that I think will be really helpful as you complete the guide. You could find that list in the description of this episode. And I'd also suggest that you grab the Build a Business Abroad guide if building your own business abroad or taking it abroad is something that interests you. It's not for everybody, but for those of you that are interested in it, I highly suggest you grab that guide. And I've created a playlist for the Build a Business Abroad guide as well, which is basically just season three of this podcast. Season three of this podcast was a mini season all about building a business abroad. Please remember that the Flourish in the Foreign Patreon will be coming to an end at the end of 2023. So please be sure to become a monthly supporter at Buy Me a Coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign. A friendly reminder to everyone, I will be doing another Ask Me Anything episode at the end of this season. So be sure to please submit your questions via the link in the description of this episode. All right, on to the episode. Season five, episode seven. Today's episode features Jazzy Mas. Jazzy is a vibrant and adventurous soul and a nomad hailing from the sunny streets of Los Angeles. Her thirst for exploration has taken her on an incredible journey, living abroad for the past five and a half years in various exotic destinations such as Indonesia, Mexico, Thailand, Peru, Colombia, and Vietnam. Jazzy's eclectic background and rich experiences have shaped her into a true global citizen. She is also the brains behind the brand Black Digital Nomad. Jazzy has such an interesting story, but I'll let her tell you all about it. 
My name is Jazzy Moss. I'm 35. I am currently in Colombia, Santa Marta. I'm from Los Angeles, California, South Central. I had a very interesting childhood, I would say. Reflecting back now, I can see why I'm nomadic. I wasn't very stable. I lived with my mom and then my dad or my aunt or my grandmother, then back with my mom. And so now it's I enjoy the newness of places and how that ties into that. And I'm also okay with exploring the world and living in different places for periods of time. But yeah, I see how the, the instability has made me like nomadic now, but it's allowed me to thrive in a way. The tools that I've gathered from those lessons of the kid, um, I take them with me now. And I really enjoy the, the nomadic lifestyle. I went to a junior college after high school. I moved out of Los Angeles right away, two days after high school. And I went to Texas, Houston. And I was there for some years. And then I moved on to Philadelphia. And then I got in some trouble in Philadelphia where I got a uh, DUI. And I ended up going to jail and having to weekends and then house arrest, 60 days house arrest and then five years probation. But the time my life was completely different then. My mindset was very different. I felt like based on my childhood and my mom being on drugs and my father being abusive that I was very angry and didn't know how to process my emotions effectively. I was very angry. I latched out a lot and I overconsumed alcohol a lot of times. So Based on that, like my choices, I made very poor choices. And it wasn't until I was in my probation officer's office and she handed me a stack of homeless shelters to stay at because I had moved from my apartment to my cousin's house in Delaware temporarily. And that was a violation. And that's when I realized like, wow, like, yeah, these things have happened. You know, yes, I've had a a rough upbringing or maybe I didn't have the, the tools necessary to thrive, but it was up to me to to get those and gather those tools. And I was where I was based on my decisions that I had made. And I'd lost like basic human rights, right? Because it was baffling to me to know that because I was living 20 minutes away out of the city that I would have to go to a homeless shelter or possibly go to jail. But I had to be reflective and say, ah, yeah, this is based on the decisions I've made, right? And it's time to make different choices. And so that's when I decided that it was time for me to seek out different ways to process the pain that I was feeling, right? And so that was through meditation, I studied Buddhism, and I stopped watching Bad Girls Club and like things like that. And we started watching Soul Sundays and reading the books that I would read as a kid and I Yana Van Zant books and journaling and just trying to consume different things and process my emotions differently. I had a friend that worked in Afghanistan and they were going to Dubai and they're like, yeah, let's go. And I said, yeah, sure. Let's, they wanted to go to Dubai and Thailand. And it sounded amazing. I found out that it wasn't as expensive as I would think it would be. I didn't have much experience with uh, or any international travel experience. I hadn't even been looking up flights ever. So I was super excited and I applied for my passport. They told me how to apply for my passport and I did so. And once I got it and I was like, hey, yeah, I want to go to Thailand and Dubai. But when I was on probation, I was not allowed to travel to Thailand (laughs) for my probation officer. And I was like, yeah, when I get off of probation, no one will ever tell me that I can't go anywhere anymore. So after I finished the five years of that, I went to Jamaica for a little time. And I knew then right away that like, ah, I want to travel and continue to travel. And I think a year later, when I moved to Mexico, but before then I had no real travel experience. We didn't travel as a family. And when we did, it was like, I would go to my, maybe my father's house my father's family's house in Texas kind of thing. But once I got the taste of traveling, the freedom and exercising my freedom again, It felt very liberating for me, and I was hooked. I asked Jazzy to take us through her journey to move abroad. As you all know, if you've listened to this podcast, it's not usually one day you wake up and you move abroad, but it's the little things that maybe you're conscious of or you're not conscious of that plant the seeds into you ultimately making the decision to make that leap abroad. My passport is set on top of my drawer. 
safe and sound until my first trip to Jamaica. So that trip was very interesting. It was our first year anniversary that my husband at the time and I was determined to go. And I remember my aunt saying like, hey, you know, you should prioritize traveling. Even if you have to put a dollar a day away or something, just make sure that you experience it. And so I remember that like ringing in my mind and having sway my husband to say, hey, you know, it's okay for you to take time off of work. Like, Let's make sure that we make this happen. So when the trip came and I done all the research and it was very safe trip, I just stayed in a resort. But the first stamp of my passport was very liberating for me because I felt like, ah, wow, for once I can do this. No one can tell me that I can't. But it changed everything for me coming back. I remember us having a good time there, wanting to like get off the resort and explore more and doing that the last day. But really coming back and when you arrive in the airport and looking up and seeing Mexico or Cancun, and my husband like, hey, let's go there next, you know? And I was like, yeah, let's go there next. And I remember feeling excited and assured because he was so nervous about us even taking this trip. But I was like, wow, that, that initial spark, that's all it took was just making the choice to go that one time, you know? And it changed everything. So then I started to meet people who were, I'd met this lady in Houston at the time who I was making um, skincare products and things and selling them at vendor booths. So I'd met this lady and she had called me over months later to give me some of the products she had because she was moving to Southeast Asia. And I was like, wait, what? Like, where is that even, you know? And I thought it was amazing that this black woman, a, a single mother, with her son was selling everything to move to Asia. And I was just like, what? That's wild. But I knew when I left her house that like, I was different. Like it had sparked something in me where I was just like, oh, that's a possibility, you know? And then my husband's friends that he had known in LA were selling all of their belongings and using this term, when are we all going on strike? Like a hashtag. And he had shared it with me a few times, like, oh, yeah, these are my friends I met. And so when he had showed me that, I was like, wow, I felt a spark then, like, ah, this is going to initiate something. And then it seemed to just fall into place after that. Like, within a few months, he's like, yeah, like, when are we going on strike? Let's let's try to figure this out. And our lease was up. He came home one day saying, hey, let's let's I'm tired of this job and I just want to take some time. Let's just see about you know, possibly moving out of the country, if not permanently, maybe for a few months. And I was like, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's do it, you know, and started running the numbers of how much we would need to do it. And so, yeah, 63 days later, we were in Playa del Carmen. I asked Jazzy to describe the day of departure and arrival when she decided that she was leaving the U.S. and making that move to Mexico. Yeah, it was wild because that day was supposed to be a week prior. So we had arrived in Playa del Carmen September 5th, 2017. But our initial date to leave was August 29th that year. But we were hit with Hurricane Harvey and then freeway was literally underwater so we could not leave the city of Houston to even fly out and I remember and I look back now and I always think about that timing and how I my thinking because I could have been like you know what this is a sign maybe not to go you know but I was so determined and I had already sold everything and like once I say I'm going to do something and like my mind is set I have tunnel vision you know there are places there so yeah the Getting there was just like, oh my God, yes, like we we made it, you know, through a hell and high waters, really, literally. So it was very freeing and exciting, you know, and we decided just to do it for some months, it would be a sabbatical. But the first day we arriving on the bus on the audio and my phone on Facebook saying like, oh, you're in Mexico, do you want to sign in or something? And I was like, oh my goodness, how did they know? And also feeling like, oh, wow, I'm grateful that I'm not on probation anymore because sometimes I would fly or travel without permission. <laughs> so I felt like, oh, wow, like I'm glad that I'm free and I'm able to do this and I'm not sneaking around or anything. But yeah, I just felt very free, very freeing. 
the excitement and anticipation of this new lifestyle and being in Mexico, being by the water. That was an easy transition for us since we knew somebody there and we decided to rent a two-bedroom apartment with them. So they already had the place we arrived and yeah, went to the place to put our bags down. Too many bags. We brought way too much stuff. But uh, yeah, I ate out at a, a amazing vegan restaurant there. I forget the name of it. And I didn't know that this was be my life, that I would be here now, you know, when I was there. So it didn't feel like the beginning of my life. It felt like we had done it for then. But shortly after, I knew that like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Within a few weeks of running on the beach and eating mangoes, I said, yeah, we're, we need to figure out how to continue to live like this. I asked Jazzy to describe her time in Mexico and ultimately what made her decide to leave. I was in Playa for about a year, maybe 10 or 11 months. And yeah, within a few weeks, I was just like, yeah, I want to continue this. And naturally, as with anything, being in that environment, I was meeting other people who were living there. And of course, oh, well, how are you living here? And a lot of people were teaching English online. So I got word of that. I was already in the wellness sector before leaving the States. I finished my certification in holistic health and wellness and met other people in wellness there. And I did experience my first cacao ceremony. And so then I partnered with these other women to do a wellness retreat. I hosted a retreat in Playa del Carmen. And yeah, just naturally things that was attracting the people within the wellness sector. So things were just kind of flourishing naturally for me to stay. Then I decided that I wanted to explore Southeast Asia anyway. So yeah, one day I just wrote on Facebook, hey, Bali, you know, just that that was on my mind. And I think the next day my husband saw a flight for $300 one way to Bali from Los Angeles. And then we decided to um, go to Bali and we rented our space in Mexico. And it was just kind of like once we decided to do it, looking back, things just fell into place. Like even with the hurricane, like I was able to get unemployment for a bit and save more money. And then, yeah, the meeting teachers and people who are teaching English online. And I didn't even think, know that that was a thing. I thought that you would have to know another language. Then meeting people in the wellness sector and doing a wellness retreat. It was just very like things flourished very organically. Now, I love Bali. I've been to Bali. I've been to a lot of places, but Bali was a place where I thought it was all hype until I went. And I was like, yo, Bali is amazing. (laughs) So I asked Jazzy to describe her time in Bali. Being that far, first of all, that flight, I was like, wow, I'm really on the other side of the world. The time difference. It was like the jet lag, that was overwhelming, but not in a negative way, just like, wow, like I am traveling now. This is becoming my lifestyle. We're here. I was there for two months. The visa situation was not ideal, but also I was also wanting to get to Thailand. But Bali was amazing. It was very beautiful. I love the culture there. Seeing them put out their offerings every morning was like, oh, wow, I'm really experiencing a different culture and way of living, getting on a motorbike for the first time, which was absolutely crazy looking back at that. But yeah, I just felt like I was very, I was stretching myself. I got behind the camera again at a shoot for an artist's music video. And that was like, ah, I felt like it unlocked something in me that I have always loved the arts and performing arts. And I was on a show in the States that was rather disappointing to me but you know and I shut down and I stopped doing things with the performing arts after that so immediately I felt like I had come back alive there with that so I stayed in Bali two months and then went on to Thailand because that was a, a dream of mine so I went to Thailand and right away there was a stage play uh, auditions for a stage play and it turned out to be us doing James Baldwin play which was the first all-black cast to perform a play in Thailand there so that happened there and it was like, wow, to get a, like to say, yes, I want to do performing arts again. And I did a dance set there for a billion women's march in Bali as well. So it felt like, again, things were like all the parts of me that I had allowed to die in the, the States through maybe trauma. Like there's stories of me wanting to be do dance and then I, I shut down at seven. You know, no one was coming to my recital. 
so then to dance again in Bali, I felt like I was like, ah, oh, wow, and to act and uh, get behind the camera again. I was just like, okay, yes. And then get back on stage in Thailand. And then the way that it happened, right when I was getting there, you know, the auditions, I think was like the next day. It was like these things were finding me and I was attracting opportunities being my authentic self. You know, I felt like I was pulling back layers and discovering me again through this lifestyle. So I did Thailand for about a year. I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, northern Thailand. And I loved Thailand right away. There's a very calming energy there that I enjoyed a lot. And it was very different. The temples were very beautiful. The food is absolutely amazing. And again, then I was found myself back in the arts and on stage again and meeting other creatives. And I started teaching English online. It's tried out in, in Bali and things like that and didn't get hired the first few times. So then I started teaching in, in Thailand and it came right at a time when it would be like, okay, we need to maybe reevaluate this. Do we need to go back home or can we make this work? That I, it was as if it was just supposed to be, you know, like there was, it was like the path of least resistance. And I felt like I was manifesting all of the things that I really wanted very easily and effortlessly. So, yeah, it felt as if I was living my dream, honestly, acting every day and feeling financially secure, having the holistic, a very holistic lifestyle for me, being able to eat very healthy and get fresh juices and smoothie bowls and it's at a very economical price and massages and, and walking a lot and meeting amazing people and having amazing experiences every day. I felt very grateful and as if like also too that I had really paid my debts to society, taking responsibility and accountability for uh, mistakes <laughs> I had made and then for letting it go and saying like, ah, there's like so much life after that, right? So it felt very rewarding. After Thailand, I went to Vietnam and my motivation to leave Thailand was burning season. Well, that was the motivation to leave Chiang Mai because I could have went to another city. But then the visa situation was interesting there too. So I was told about Vietnam, Da Nang being by the water and being very nice and someone thinking I would like it. Actually, a psychic told me that they thought I would love Vietnam and I thought it was crazy. Bali, but fast forward to after meeting to leave Thailand or find another place, Vietnam came up and they had a one-year visa for Americans, one-year uh, multiple entry visa. And you could start with three months. And so, yeah, burning season was coming up. And also then I get this, the bug of like, okay, I love discovering the new places and the nomadness is up. And I'm like, yeah, like, let's, let's move on. This has been an amazing time, you know? And so, yeah, I went to Vietnam for the first three months and it took some adjusting too. I didn't love it right away. I made the mistake of comparing. And then it was loud. They had a lot of motorbikes. And that was my first thing. It was like, ooh, okay, sensory overload for me. Then it was plant-based. So the food was difficult for me to navigate. I didn't know what anything really was. The wet market, yeah, it was just a, it was a lot. Oh, and then the people staring, you know. And they had told me at, when I was in Mexico, someone had warned me about Asia and being black in Asia, the, this experience there, and then staring and like being shocked. But they had said that was Thailand, and I didn't experience that in Thailand. And now looking back, I think he meant Vietnam, but it said Thailand because I experienced it there, and that was a bit overwhelming for me. I think I handled it well, especially being the a performer, but it was a lot. And then I met someone who, this other black woman there, Desiree, who was doing yoga and uh, we were at a party and she was like, yeah, I was like, hey, I'm here and adjusting. And she, I remember her telling me that anything I wanted to do there, I could do and that I would be supported. And I was like, really? Thank you. I received that. And so I said that I wanted to start doing comedy, stand-up comedy in Vietnam. And so I started to try to figure out like how to put it together. And I started to try to do an open mic and call out other comics. And then I saw this post of this lady coming to Da Nang to do a comedy show. 
And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm interested in doing comedy. She's like, oh, she was building this comedy scene in Vietnam, the first one, English speaking comedy scene, doing three cities. And I was like, oh, well, I would love to get on one of your shows, you know. She said, do you have any experience? And I was like, no. But she said, okay, well, let's talk. And so I went to that show and it was great. And I met her and she was another black woman from California. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm from LA. And she told me she was putting together a show in October, September, and she wanted to do another black comic, another black lady that was out there. And she was living in Saigon. And they were going to put the show together and that she would put me on. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's let's do it. And she's like, will you be ready for September? And I was like, in my mind, like, what? This is crazy. But I said, yes, absolutely. I'll get ready. And yeah, I did a three-city tour with this woman. I had no real experience. I did one open mic in Thailand once at the Healing House. But yeah, she booked me and they paid for my accommodations. And we we drove to Fue and, and Hawaiian. And I was like, oh my God, wow. Am I a stand-up comic? These are all the things I've always wanted to do. And it was just flowing so organically. Like there was no comedy there. And I said I, did, I wanted to do it, and this lady appeared. And I was like, wow, am I like master manifesting? Like, what is going on? I'm really, everything I'm talking about is, is happening. And I realized, oh, wait, this has always been the case. But I was just talking about like BS, you know? But I've always been manifesting things. I've manifested the probation even. So yeah, it was a very aha moment. I've seen a lot of the work. It's like been very in my face with manifesting a lot of attractions is very undeniable for me. And that's when I started. And then I started to compete in Vietnam and that went well. And I was like, wow, I would pinch myself. And I'm like, wow, I'm really living my dream. I'm awake, you know, living my dreams. Now, Jazzy is a comedian. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that I've had two other comedians on this here podcast. One of the comedians that I've had, Angie the Diva, season one, episode 42, actually created the tour that Jazzy went on in Vietnam. So if that sounds interesting to you, or if you have any interest in comedy or what have you, entertainment abroad, listen to Angie's episode. And another comedian I've featured on this podcast is Kefra, season one, episode 13. She's based in Madrid, and I've actually gone to one of her shows. So if you're interested in that, check those out. Look, Flourish the Four, we're a community here. This is a network. I'm sure if there's anything that you want to do, there's been someone on this podcast that has done it. Or there'll probably be a guest soon enough on this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you have, please support this labor of love because it is labor nonetheless. You can support this solo indie podcast by becoming a member of the Flourish in the Foreign Buy Me a Coffee membership, where you can subscribe to support the podcast on a monthly basis. You can also give one-time support via Buy Me a Coffee as well. And you can do either one at buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforeign. Support this podcast by writing a review on whichever platform you listen to the podcast. And if you listen on Spotify, you can also leave comments on each episode and even answer some of the poll questions I've created for certain episodes. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and even the colleagues you kind of like. This podcast continues to exist and thrive due to listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued support. Now, back to the episode. Hi. Continued in Vietnam for two and a half years. I was there during the pandemic and I was separated from my husband during the pandemic. He couldn't get back into Vietnam. The borders were locked. And unfortunately, we were already having like a, a rough patch at the time. So it didn't make it any easier with us being separated at the time. And so I ended up being in Vietnam alone, but I continued on and I eventually left Vietnam in 2021 
to go back and try to reconnect with my husband. And I went back to Mexico. Unfortunately, that didn't work. We decided to just continue to be friends. But I got that closure and I'm grateful for that. So I did leave Vietnam. I was in Mexico for a while and I thought that I needed to leave abruptly. I ended up doing an ayahuasca ceremony there and got some downloads to sit home with my family for a little bit. So I went to Arizona. I stayed in Mexico for six months when I left after leaving Vietnam. And then I went home for a bit and explored Arizona, which was absolutely amazing. And I had a more of an appreciation for the States. It's a beautiful place to explore and travel. I think I would want to live there, but to visit, it was amazing to be able to visit there. And then I decided to come on to Colombia a year ago, left in April, and I came to South America. I wanted to continue to travel, but now being solo, I had to consider other things like dating abroad or being as far. And I love Asia and and I may go back, but also too, I wanted to be somewhere where I could learn the language. And, and connect more with the people because I got by in Vietnam. But I remember there are times when like the lady who helped me all the time went away for Tet and I really wanted to ask her how her vacation was, you know, but all I could say was Chuck Mung Namoy, which was Happy New Year and like give her a hug. So I uh, decided that being somewhere where I can actually learn the language because um, too, Vietnam was great, but Vietnamese is very difficult. And then you go next door to Thailand and it's Thai. And then, you know, so and I wasn't as motivated to learn those languages, but with Spanish, I feel very motivated to learn it. So I wanted to be in a Spanish speaking country, also somewhere where I could travel back and forth home if I needed to. I'm finishing my memoir, probation of passports. And so I want to be where I can go and do speaking and also be closer where if people want to visit, who say they're going to visit, they don't visit, you know, <laughs> I could be closer to the possibility. So that's how I ended up in South America. And then I went to Peru for three months and explored Peru and did a series, Let's Chew in Peru. And I love the food there. So I just continued to travel around and explore South America. During my marriage in Vietnam, I started to do therapy, which has been great uh, when therapy online and then utilizing the DBT skills. So I've evolved in that way. And a lot of the therapy skills that are are like mindfulness and are going to the beach twice a day, being still, meditating, journaling. And I feel that being abroad allows me to do these things, process my emotions, sit, like I have a workbook that I do. So I feel I have time and space to actually really pour into my wellness. And I'm very fortunate for that, different modalities. Like it I'm doing a uh, plant medicine or having exposure to that, right? Ayahuasca ceremonies or cacao ceremonies or whatever. I've been able to chakra alignment and Bali, just different things that I've been exposed to that are very healing for me on my journey of overcoming things that I went through in childhood. And I'm very fortunate because a lot of people don't have this opportunity and the time to be able to really focus on wellness where it's really the center of my life. And it's one of my core values. And I get to do that in different ways as I continue to travel and know myself and even being solo and navigating. I learn a lot about myself and I get to spend a lot of time working on me every day. So Jazzy eventually decides to move to Colombia and I love Colombia. And she is currently in Santa Marta, which is a city that I've also visited. And it isn't probably a city that a lot of people think of when they're thinking about visiting Colombia or even living in Colombia, but it is quite nice. I did very much enjoy being in Santa Marta. And so I asked Jazzy, Why did she decide on Santa Marta? And what is it like living there? So I did Medellin when I first got to Colombia um, last year for about four months. And then I'm always, I love being by the water. So I came for my birthday and I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to come back here. And I did for a few months. I um, did some content for a business owner here. That's a black woman actually from Atlanta that owns a, a wings place and a children's center. And we connected. I went, ended up going to Peru and she was like, yeah, I feel like we can really work on some things, you know, you have to consider coming back. And I was like, I mean, I can really go anywhere. Let's see what the opportunities are there. I do want to be by the water. 
I also like with Vietnam at Da Nang, there weren't a lot of black people there too, but I wanted to be by the water. And I did a campaign like, yo, let's y'all come here. Like, let's build community here. So I would do, uh, I forgot the hashtag I was using on Instagram at the time. And I looked up and there were like 40 people at my brunches there. So I felt like it was possible here too. It's like people aren't here, but they're not here yet. And a lot of people don't come because people aren't here yet. So I was like, okay, yeah, I could come. And so I do expat meetups and things here at the, at this woman's restaurant at the Best Wings of Santa Marta, first and third Wednesdays to build community. So I'm okay with building community in a place. And I like being by the water. And so it's a, for me, a, a okay base for now, you know, and continue to travel. Like I'm probably going to go to Ecuador for a month. And then I'm going to go to Medellin for the, this weekend for Afrofest. But yeah, it's a good balance for me right now. But yeah, last just yesterday I was saying that I'm craving Black people, more Black people. But yeah, I'm going to go down to Medellin for for a week or two and do all the things and then come back and be back by the water and journal and stuff and blow bubbles. I asked Jazzy what has been her experience being a Black woman abroad? You know, I have felt seen, so seen as a Black woman navigating the world. And I would share a lot of my experiences in Vietnam with people being curious and asking me if my hair is real or asking me to touch it or wanting to touch my skin or take photos sometimes. And for me, it's been like realizing for one that, wow, this is a very homogenous country. I do look very different. And I'm in this place at this market, right? And black, I'm black with locks. Like, of course, people are looking and staring in times. And so with that, like being able to step outside of myself and not take on the black American experience with me. Like, I didn't want to do that, like, taint it, have a tainted idea of what being Black is. So, for me, like, even being in Mexico, when they would be like, oh, you know, they say silly things like yell out random celebrities and stuff to you, like, oh, hey, Rihanna. And I'm like, okay. Or like, they would call my husband Tupac and stuff. And to me, it would just be like more of a fondness or an appreciation, or honestly, too, you're just trying to sell something, some of these people. But I never felt threatened by people's curiosity with me. It always felt like it came from an, a curious place. Hearing our music everywhere, seeing our culture in different ways, it's been like, ah, oh, wow, yeah, it, feeling seen. I feel safe. I feel protected. I haven't had any negative encounters, thankfully, as I've been navigating the world. But yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I asked Jazzy if she has encountered Black community while abroad? And if so, what has been her take on the communities she has been a part of? And Playa del Carmen, I remember our first Thanksgiving together. Oh, and the baked macaroni and cheese was so good and so Black. Those things, like we were, we all came together and had an amazing time. And that was just brought on together by a guy there who still is building community in Playa del Carmen, Rashid. We would just go up to Black people, hey, hey, how you doing? And invite people out to do things. And we would curate trips and stuff. I mean, this was five years ago before Playa was uh, the hot lantern. Um, the community wasn't as booming then. But yeah, with just people hanging out. And of course, everyone doesn't mix and mingle just because you're Black. you know, And that happens with any type where you won't vibe with everyone. But for the most part, we've all been able to come together, have groups, help each other out, and fellowship you know, and that's been in Playa del Carmen. I experienced that in Thailand. We would do Sunday dinners that Kedra created and having Facebook groups. And we did a lot of trips together doing the stage play in Thailand. Also curated a long lasting community for me. Like I still talk to my mom there. She's an adoptive mom. She was also from Los Angeles and she's in Mexico now. We talk all the time, but yeah, I mean, just people traveling and Seeking community, I think, is the way that we build community. Uh, Thai and Vietnam, the same. We were there together during the pandemic. You know, I remember my dad dying and me kind of like shutting down a bit and isolating myself. And I turned my phone off and people showed up to make sure that I was okay. With me saying, looking out for people and we're us making sure that we're good. I've always had that sense of community as I traveled. And I think that's being open and going out and connecting with people and to being a Gemini is natural for me. 
to connect with people. I've always felt that there's community, even here with the, the people here. It's not large, you know, but, you know, I have a community here and support. So, yeah, I've experienced it everywhere through being open, you know, and going out and also other people who are actively building community and curating events and things that they like to do. I asked Jazzy how she believes living abroad affected her marriage, but also her experience now as a single woman dating abroad. I'm not sure. I felt like it had a good impact, right? Yeah, I don't believe it negatively impacted us. Being able to do something like that, right? Like, I always appreciate that. It's like very hard when I look back, I'm like, wow, if nothing else, I know for sure that us coming together and accomplishing something like that together, we totally change each other's lives, right? And the trajectory of our lives. So for me, it if nothing else, it, it makes me look and feel like, ah, wow, like maybe it was destined or just the fact that we were able to accomplish something like that and do that together is amazing. And then with dating abroad, yeah, interesting thing because you're like, at one point I can... And for me, it's important to be able to be places where I can date openly or date and be desired or have a love life. So now, yeah, that's something that I have to consider with places, you know, like I'm like, oh, man, I would love to go just go back to Asia and get a one way flight. But I'm like, ah, yes, I I didn't enjoy dating there as much. So like having to consider that or being like, oh, where is it safe for solo women now versus where I didn't consider those things before being married and and partnered. So yeah, it's just a different set of qualifications like with places now. Soft life, best life. I asked Jazzy about her perspective on Black girls' soft life and if she believes she's living a soft life. I am all for it. And I think it's also time to change the narrative of, of what we believe life is supposed to be, you know? And as I work with law of attraction things too, it's like, ah, yes, like, yeah, call that into you. Because if you do think that life is supposed to be hard, then that's what life will reveal to you. So honoring a soft life is is definitely on board. And I I definitely live a soft life. I'm all about that. I want to be able to enjoy and I love laying in hammocks and just having an ease, a life of ease, of flow. Yeah, and of softness. I think that we're taught to be very hard. And even me, it's been a journey where I'm just like, ah, my soft life is realizing that I don't have to be hard and have this hard shell, that I can be soft and it is safe for me to be soft and feminine. And the more that I am, then the more I attract soft experiences. And so yes, I'm all for all Black women having soft lives and the soft as they want them to be, but I do not believe that we have to have a hard knock life. Grief, sacrifice. These are things that a lot of people don't want to talk about in living abroad, but it is so important to really discuss the full range of emotions and experiences in this life abroad, especially if you want to be sustainable and if you're thinking about longevity. And so I asked Jazzy about grief and sacrifice and how she's processed these complex emotions and moments in her life abroad. So dealing with grief abroad has been something I've had to deal with for sure. And I feel that it's like I'm always grieving because I'm constantly leaving. Like, I, for example, leaving uh, Vietnam was very hard for me. I remember I cried my eyelashes off the entire flight um, from Da Nang. And I still think about that where I'm just like, oh, all these places that I left, things I've left, right? They end, but everything does, right? So it reminds me, too, to be very present. But then I think, like, would I rather not have the experience, especially with the leaving of things? I'm just like, oh, my God, my heart is in so many places that I left there. And I will always yearn for these places. But I also want to be in these new places. And I can apply that to the same thing with the loss of relationships and people. And then it's like, okay, 
Yeah, this is sad that it's in there, but like, I'm so grateful that I was able to experience it. But I sit with it. Like, if I'm sad, I allow myself, okay, so we're going to be sad about this a little bit. The other day, I was looking at photos of whether it's my marriage or of a place that I lived, and I'll feel sad for a little bit. I allow myself to process that feeling, and it passes, and then I feel grateful that I experienced it. So I just allow myself to feel, but I do find myself. And this thing of like, wow, I'm going to continue to grieve these places. But it also means that I've experienced them and just be present in all of my relationships and honor them more because everything is temporary. So dealing with the grief helps me deal with the opposite of the grief. What's the opposite of grief? It's the present moment and the relationship I have now because I know that it's, it's temporary, you know. Blessing it, releasing it. I feel that I'm able to to deal with these things um, in a way that's not detrimental as I as I did to where things would end up worse. Like you grieving, and now you've made the situation worse because now you have a charge, or you woke up in jail, or you do this. You know, so I can say that I'm I am proud of the way that I process grief now and process things. I feel that I'm able to handle them with emotional maturity and intelligence. I asked Jazzy to share with us a motto, affirmation, mantra, scripture, lyric that she lives by that anchors her in this chapter of her life. Yes, absolutely. I have a few. My first is, everything is working for my greatest good and only good will come from this. And money flows to me easily, effortlessly and abundantly. And I always affirm that I'm always making money being my authentic self and that I'm beautiful and everyone loves me. I used to do that when I walk the beach. And when something is like going bad, I always say everything is working for my greatest good and only good will come from this. And that allows me not to stress and try to fix it and just realize that, yeah, this is this is good. You know, even with the hurricane, right? I think about that. Like, it's like, look back, I'm like, yeah, this is working for my greatest good. It's not saying don't go or don't do this. And our thinking is very important because I share that story and I'm like, wow, had I been like, hey, no, this is a sign. God is saying, do not go. You know, he put up floodgates to keep me here and say that and tell that story in that way. It would have still been powerful to some people where they're like, oh my goodness, yes, you did listen, you know? But I was like, no, I was determined to go anyway. And it still worked for my greatest good. And that one decision changed everything for me. Wellness. I asked Jazzy, what is her personal definition of wellness and how that definition and practice has evolved as she has lived abroad? For me, it's holistic, you know, my mind, body, and spirit. So in living that way every day for me, and that's just being in spaces where I can run on the beach, right? Having the, that, and I love that, and it's very healing for me, blowing bubbles every day, having compassion for myself and others, being mindful of the things that I'm consuming, making sure I'm getting sunlight, paying attention to my body, you know, not being in toxic environments, being able to curate all my decisions. I feel that I don't have to sacrifice my mind, body, or spirit for a job, for relationships, for any of that. And that's based on me intentionally curating this life. I mean, being mindful of that. So that I continue to keep it. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of work to get here. And so being reflective on that, I'm like, oh, always being mindful of the things that got me here and hold on to those and continue to do it. Being able to choose and curate where I live, right? And saying I like being by the water is very healing for me. Being able to go out every day and do that or being in nature. I feel very like that's centered around my life more and it's more obtainable for me here abroad for whatever reason. Fine, maybe it's because it's more feasible, affordable, obtainable, it's there. I'm mean, also, I feel I'm very intentional because many of us end up where we are based on other things outside of us. When I get to choose that based on like, oh, okay, what, what do I need? I asked Jazzy where she sees herself in the foreseeable future. So I'm finishing up this book my memoir. And I really want to continue travel the world. I love performing. So like, I want to continue to do that. I've envisioned doing a one woman show with this book, Probation to Passports, maybe traveling. I remember meeting this woman in Thailand who's doing this one woman show around the world. And I was fascinated. I still want to do a Netflix special. 
And yeah, I want to continue to share my story in an empowering way to empower others and travel and see the world. And I want everyone to know, like I'm reading this book, The Mountain is You, and the mountain is you. Like if we all realize that it gives us a power to at any point change our thinking, which then can change everything for us. And so, yeah, we're so powerful. And at any point we can change everything. It's very possible. Thank you so much, Jazzy, for sharing so much of your story with all of us. If you're interested in keeping up with Jazzy, you can via social media. Yes, I'm at blackdigitalnomad.co and then you can find me on Instagram and I'm there at blackdigitalnomad. And then I'm on TikTok too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. If you'd like to learn more about this guest, please check out their show notes page at flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes. If you would like to be a guest or know of someone who would be an interesting guest on the podcast, please fill out the guest inquiry form located on the website under the contact tab. That's flourishintheforeign.com slash contact. I will be doing another Ask Me Anything episode at the end of the season, so be sure to please submit your questions via the link in the description of this episode. Be sure to check out the Flourish in the Foreign blog and the Flourish in the Foreign bookshop powered by bookshop.org, where you can support local bookstores and Flourish in the Foreign at the same time. Check out my list of books to help you move, live, and thrive abroad. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Flourish in the Foreign YouTube channel for when I drop new videos. And follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Flourish Foreign. You can also follow the podcast on LinkedIn at Flourish in the Foreign. And of course, subscribe to the podcast via whichever platform you listen on and leave a review. As always, big thanks to Zachary Higgs for producing the music of this here podcast. Remember, it's not about moving abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about flourishing abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. There's this aspect of choice when living abroad that you get to kind of reclaim your ability to make a choice about how your life is going to look. First, when you choose to live overseas, now the responsibility is on you. Whether or not you're working with like a company or organization that's going to help you with the logistics of moving abroad, you still are making every single choice for yourself and the consequences of those choices are yours, which I find to be really helpful in my wellness journey on a very stabilizing, grounding level because if something goes right, that's all me right? I did that. I made that choice for myself and I feel really good about holding myself. If something doesn't go right, that's on me, which means that I have to pick up the pieces and make another choice to make it right. And I can't play victim to anybody making decisions for me, to any system making decisions for me. It's all on me. And that helps just to empower me.